Yankees Files podcast. We are back. I'm Will Harris. You're Alec Whipple. The rest of you, honestly, it's a miracle you're still here the way this team has played. Um, Look, Whipple, it was a tough week. Uh, It could have been a good week, but then all-star closer Aroldis Chapman had to find his way into some games. Uh, Just why do we do this? Why do we watch this team? I, I mean, I think it's part of the sickness of being a sports fan that you're, you're for better or worse, you're you're with the team through good and bad. Uh, but it's it's so bad right now, and it's just so hard to watch every day the same thing going on. And there have been great moments this year, uh, but really ever since the um, ever since the last few weeks, really the Red Sox series outside of the Toronto, Oakland, Kansas City run. The last few weeks against the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Rays, the Angels and Mets now, it's the same problems every day. And, you know, they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And I really feel like we're all insane right now. We are watching this team every day and expecting things to be different. And as we'll talk about, I think there, again, are reasons for optimism, but it's there are not many of them, and they're becoming increasingly harder to find. And uh, thanks to Aroldis Chapman's handiwork, uh, it ruined what could have been a decent comeback week, made it a pretty bad week. Um, it's it's just very tough right now. Yeah, I'm wondering if if the issues are the same still, right? Like they yeah, they they scored seven runs in the first inning uh of that game against the angels they knocked Shohei Otani out and they had a four-run lead going into the ninth they scored eight runs like and then uh you know the Mets game they handed it over to the guy who they thought was their best bullpen arm um and he blew it again like Aroldis Chapman you know, I hoped Minnesota was an isolated incident. It obviously was not. Um, yeah, and and I would like to quickly read some Aroldis Chapman numbers so we can just all be aware of how terrible he's been because we know how great he was. He had a .39 ERA on June 6th. On June 10th was the Minnesota game. So in his last three or so weeks, he has, and these are real numbers, a 22.24 ERA. He has given up 15 runs in 5.2 innings. He's given up four home runs. He's walked nine and only struck out six and given up 14 hits in those innings, which is the most concerning part considering that Rolls Chapman was one of the most unhittable pitchers in the game up until June 6th. The OPS against is 1.546. I mean, I don't really need to keep going to see that this has been one of the worst stretches of baseball from one of the greatest closers of the last few years. It's shocking. I mean, we had so many times in this podcast, we talked about how dominant he's been. And now this, I am, I think there are a few reasons for it. I think we'll get into a little more later, but uh, yeah, just absolutely mind blowing numbers and not in a good way. I, uh, I think I need to take the blame for this Whipple on May 26th. I wrote an analytics post on our website, yankeesfiles.com, about how good Aroldis Chapman had been. Uh, at that point, his ERA plus was 874. Um, it's now 92. He went from being... <laughs> he went from being 774 percentage points better than average to 8 worse. I mean, yeah, and he's going to be an all-star. So he's been selected as an all-star. Look, um, I have some reasons for optimism that we're going to get into later, but, uh, none of them involve Aroldis Chapman. We know he's got the fingernail thing. We can infer that the lack of sticky stuff is messing with him. He sometimes loses the strike zone, but he's never been so hittable. And that's concerning, Uh, you know, as you mentioned. uh, His whip is currently the highest it's ever been in his career. Um, Because it used to just always be walks. Um, His hits per nine is the highest it's been in his career, and his walks per nine is up there. So, look, um, I think, and we saw it in game two on on Sunday, potentially, Aroldis Chapman can't close for this team anymore. 
right? Like that has to be either Jonathan Loisaga or Chad Green's job, probably Loisaga, right? Or Br- Britain when he comes back. There's just the Yankees have now lost. You know, the Yankees turned a four and two stretch into a two and four stretch by using Araldis Chapman. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that. The two losses this week were terrible, but let's go back to some of his other games. The Kansas City game from the week before, he was bailed out by his offense in a comeback win. The day before yep. that, he was bailed out by, or the, the last time he pitched with the Oakland game, he was bailed out by a triple play in the ninth inning. The day before that, he gave up a run, and and so on, back to the Philly game and the Minnesota game. So, you know, the, the numbers are bad, and, you know, thanks to the triple plays, they honestly could be a lot worse. Yeah, so... Look, I'm pretty confident that Aroldis Chapman can figure this out. Um, not because he's done it before, because he's never looked like this before. Just because, like, he throws insanely hard, um, and when he locates his breaking balls, they're pretty unhittable. Um, but until then, Aroldis Chapman cannot be the closer. He cannot be the closer. The wins are too precious to this team to allow Aroldis Chapman to continue to go out there as a liability and blow games. I would rather see Luis Sessa. I would rather see Wandy Peralta. I might even rather see Justin Wilson in a game than Aroldis Chapman until he gets this figured out. And it's happened before. Didn't he lose the closer job briefly in 2017? Like, just... Give him some time to figure it out. Maybe the all-star breaks exactly what he needs. I don't know. But um, Jonathan Lewisaga, or if he comes back soon, Zach Britton needs to be closing for this team in the meantime. Yeah, and I think it speaks to a larger kind of issue that has been going on this week in the bullpen. And I think that the return of Britton, hopefully, the return of O'Day, and I mean, maybe the return of Justin Wilson. I don't know. It didn't it didn't look super great on, over the weekend. And it it's fair to question what is his larger role is with this team as if he has one, but the the top guys have had a lot of pressure put on them uh, throughout the past few weeks because the starting rotation just isn't getting the job done. Garrett Cole is not pitching for any sort of length recently. Montgomery's been okay, but Herman has not pitched for any length. Tyon's been up and down, and Mike King needs to be in the bullpen or needs to have an opener or needs to do something because he's not a starter in the true sense of the word. And so you have guys, the Lickies, the Greens, the Wisegas, and in Mike Exis's excellent Patreon newsletter, he shared a stat uh, that Chad Green, Loisica, and Lucky are all in the top 10 of relief innings, but they're all outside the top 50 in re- relief appearances, which means these guys are coming into games and they're pitching multiple innings in the games. We saw Green pitching three innings, three great innings, but three innings nonetheless uh, in the Sunday nightcap. And that's kind of been the story with them. When they come in, they have to come in in situations that are not always favorable to them. See Lucas Litke trying to clean up Roldis Chapman's mess. Or they're coming in to pick up bulk innings in the middle of these games. And they've been really good, but that's kind of unsustainable. I think that the Yankees aren't a team that overworks their relievers. And we've seen the no three days in a row rule that dates back to the Girardi era. But something has to change either with the starting rotation or in the bullpen as a Roldis Chapman as we've said, is unusable now. And I'm hopeful that Britton and O'Day can come back. I don't think Justin Wilson is going to be a contributor on this team. Um, Luis Sessa has found a nice role. I don't think Wandy Peralta is going to be a contributor. I don't think Brooks Krisky should be allowed to touch a Major League Baseball anytime soon. And so so it's really going to be a Britton and O'Day coming back to hopefully take the pressure off these guys in the later innings because the, the, the cascading effect that's kept happening is that Starters are getting knocked out earlier than expected, not going as far as they had been earlier in the year. And the the middle relievers are coming in, cleaning up the mess, or sometimes not cleaning up the mess, or they're cleaning up the mess and getting it to Chapman in the late innings, and he's blown it. So hopefully that's not going to happen anymore. But it, everything is just out of whack from where it was earlier in the year. And the guys who are doing well, I think, are getting way too much pressure put on them for this to be sustainable. So Either the starters have to figure it out or Zach Britton and Darren O'Day have to come back and be effective. Uh, I would probably think the latter is more likely given some of the guys in the rotation right now. So it'll be interesting to see when Britton's back and now that O'Day's back, um, if he's you know slotted into those later innings or what, what kind of role that Aaron Boone is envisioning for him. Uh, I mean, I think Zach Britton's a really important piece of this team right now given everything that's happened. Uh, but I think as good as the bullpen's been, it's there's definitely some warning signs that I'm seeing. And I think we've all, you know, non enrolled as Chapman warning signs. I think we've seen a few of those this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, 
O'Day's back and O'Day will be whatever he is. Um, he didn't look stellar the other night, but he didn't blow it. Um, the, the Chapman thing is just so tough because like I almost envy the teams that do a closer by committee in times like these because like if if the Yankees and I I I do not want to be this guy I so intensely do not want to be this guy but I'm going to be this guy just momentarily because I think the the times merit it if the Yankees were the Rays Oh God! I don't even I don't even want to hear this, but I'll I'll let you finish. No, no, no I'm 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 like I'm apologizing <laughs> because I hate that this is how I'm saying it, but I think it gets the right point across. If the Yankees were the Rays, we'd be talking about how they have four or five closers, right? You know, we'd be saying, look. Darren O'Day's closed games. Zach Britton's been the best closer in the league. So is Aroldis Chapman. Chad Green would close on any team. So would Jonathan Loisega. We'd be saying, look, every guy who comes out of the bullpen is a closer. Any any one of those guys could be the closer. But only one of those guys that I've mentioned on the Yankees is like locked into a closer role in like the Mariano Rivera, Craig Kimbrell, Brad Lidge sense, you know? And it would be so much less of an issue if Aroldis Chapman being ineffective could be treated like Pete Fairbanks being ineffective, you know? Pete Fairbanks doesn't throw strikes. What do you do? You give the ball to Diego Castillo. They're both viable closers. Aroldis Chapman doesn't throw strikes. Now it's this whole thing about who should be the closer, who's closing games for this team. Can Aroldis Chapman still be the closer? Do you need to trade him away? Did he tank all his value? Like, all this stuff. What if Aroldis Chapman just was one of the relievers on this team? What if they used guys in the highest leverage situations according to their confidence in those guys on that day? I'm kind of sold on that as a as a as a strategy. Um especially with Chapman not missing bats to the extent that he usually does like I think Jonathan Lewisaga is potentially the guy who should be closing games for this team, but like who do you want in the highest leverage situation pitching? You want Chad Green, right? Because he misses right. bats. And like, I don't feel like I want to see Aroldis Chapman facing the middle of a lineup late in the game. Like, if a, if some lefties are coming up and you want to bring in Aroldis Chapman and it's like the seventh inning, I'd prefer that. And then you have Loisaga and Britton, who are both, you know, ridiculously good contact managers who can strike some guys out. And then you have Chad Green, who could be, you know, maybe the best reliever in baseball. I don't think it's out of bounds to suggest that. But, like, it's just brutal that they locked people into these roles so clearly. Um, And by people, I I guess I just mean Chapman. It's brutal that they locked him into this role so clearly that now it has to be a big deal when he's bad. Like, what if it was just, all right, like, so the best guys are going to throw the most important innings at the biggest times? Like, what if it was just that? Yeah, and the irony of this is that the Yankees are so much better equipped to do this than the Rays. Like, they have all the guys, and they've had them for so long. Like, before it was Britton and O'Day and Green, it was Batances and Miller. And then before that, it was David Robertson and, you know, Phil Hughes and Mariano. Obviously, Rafael Soriano. Right. Obviously, Mariano is always going to be the closer. But, the, you know, in the post-Mariano years, there's really an opportunity because of the super bullpens they were assembling to do something like that. We always talk about the three-headed monster of, you know, the Batances, Miller, Chapman, or Robertson. And it was always locked in. It was always seven, eight, nine, and that's how it was. And it's just frustrating because it's the same stupid thing over and over again because of the arbitrary nature of what a save is. And 
the Yankees are so much better equipped because of all the guys that they employ to do something like that. And they just have never done it fully. I mean, they, I think they do it to an extent, like with the guys before the closer role, but you know, because say, you know, because that guy's highly paid and saves get money and, you know, it's probably stipulated in the contract. It's, it's, it's really dumb and it's really, you know, ridiculously um, exposed at a time like this when the closer role becomes something that one guy who's not doing well just keeps getting put out there over and over again. And I think now Chapman won't be out there. Like, I think the the Mets game was the final straw for now, but it really should have been before then. Um, it, it should have been something... Like, like, my opinion is that Chapman should not have gone a whole week without pitching. I think that's absolutely absurd. It pisses me off whenever this happens because we know he's someone who doesn't do well in that situation and we we know he needs frequent appearances we know he's going to be a little bit rusty but because of the Red Sox series and because they weren't leading at a certain amount of time like I was at the Friday game I saw Chapman warm up and they didn't score a run I saw Chapman sit down Chapman should have just pitched I mean he didn't he went a whole week that was the only game over the weekend in which he was warming up and potentially able to pitch just put him in because you know what? Like he's going to help you get closer to the end goal of winning a game. He might not get a save, but he's already warming up. Just put him in. And it's so frustrating that, you know, there's such a specific set of rules that the closer has to use. It doesn't help your team win any more than using him any other way. It's just because of what a save is. Yeah. And I think that's the right place to end is the Yankees are really well equipped to continue to have one of the best bullpens in baseball. And they should not let their arbitrary definition of the role that Aroldis Chapman fits on this team uh, impede them from, you know, prevent them from having one of the best bullpens or the best bullpens in the sport. Um, Whipple, I think um, something that we've mentioned a couple times now is that the Yankees not making moves is concerning to us and the fact that they're now more than halfway through the season with some glaring holes on the team um and haven't done anything about it with the exception of Yankee legend Tim LaCastro um that's a huge problem and we talk a lot about trades we had Ryan Garcia on we talked about trades um We've talked about Cattell Marte, who's now hurt. We've talked about Starling Marte, who's now in uh, extension discussions with the Marlins. We've talked about a lot of guys. Um, I think that something that's often overlooked is the minor league depth that the Yankees could dip into. Because really, is it that bad to call up a minor leaguer who might be bad if the guy he's replacing is Brett Gardner or Clint Frazier or, you know, sometimes Glaber Torres. I don't mean to say that, but, like, it is what it is. Or Rugnetto Dor. Like, why not? Why not give him a try? So, three guys I have my eye on. Um, you got Trey Ambergi. Look, um, I've said it before. And it applies here as well. Uh, and obviously, caveat, AAA is using the rocket ball. So, um, guys' offensive stats are inflated. I've said it before. When a guy is like 26 and he's still in the minors, um, there's probably a reason for that. And Trey Ambergi's career numbers in the minors don't blow you away. He's a 767 OPS guy. But he's a 978 OPS guy this year, and he can play left field. And the Yankees have needed production out of left field. And he's at least really an outfielder, which should take some of the, you know, Miguel and Duhar experience out of this. Um, I think the, the real instance of malpractice here is... Not calling up Hoy Park, though. He plays both middle infield positions, and they're starting to play him in the outfield. Now, he hasn't played in the outfield very much at all, and I don't know if the Yankees need another converted infielder in the outfield, but they could use a guy to give Glaber Torres some time off. Um, he theoretically could give 
Gio Urshela a day off his feet. He could play second base. You could move LeMahieu to first, uh, and you could get Voight to DH, um, put a lefty bat in and not have Rugnet Odor. Um, and he's like leading AAA in OPS. He's at a 1.085. Um, he's hitting 340. Like, it's, it's, it just, like, and he's, he's 25. Like, it, it can't be a service time thing. Like, what are they waiting for? With Florial, it's like, okay, he's really young. I mean, he's 23, but he's really young. Um, He's lost some seasons to injury. He's lost some seasons to, uh, you know, COVID. Um, he's got like a strikeout problem or a plate discipline problem or whatever it is. Uh, but I wouldn't mind them calling him up. But for me, it's all about the fact that Hoy Park is just down there playing multiple positions of need and the Yankees won't bring him up because they need to preserve options for uh, Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar. But... We are going to see a roster move prior to Tuesday's game because Wandy Peralta was the 27th man for the doubleheader, and after the doubleheader, they sent down uh, Tyler Wade. So that means Tim LaCastro's staying. So what we're either going to see, I mean, we could see kind of one of three things. Thing one is Peralta goes to the minors. He does have an option. Uh, and Zach Britton comes back. <laughs> Zach Britton comes back. Thing two is they just add Peralta to the roster as the corresponding move for Tyler Wade. Thing three is they don't add Britton or Peralta, and they call up one of these minor leaguers. And I know it's the least likely, but I'm rooting for it. But I think they're giving us Wandy Peralta. Whipple, I know I just threw a lot at you. Do you have any reactions to that? It just feels like the Yankees should be doing something when. A lot of guys on the team aren't hitting and aren't showing signs that they will be hitting, and the trade market looks tough. You don't have to trade for guys who are in your own farm system. That might come as news to Brian Cashman. Yeah, and I think to start with your your last point, I actually am more optimistic that it might be Park because I don't think Britain is going to be ready to come back. I think his plan is to throw a bullpen on Tuesday before they figure out how to proceed with him. And I think that, the, as you said, I think they're kind of trying to play around these options for Frazier and, and Duhar. I don't really think they care about Peralta's option. Um, so, yeah, maybe they keep him for the extra bullpen depth. Um, I, I could see him staying short term for the extra bullpen depth, and then maybe he goes down after that. But I, I think that there is a significant chance that they bring up someone else. Uh, they can't bring up Tyler Wade. I know many <laughs> Internet People are rejoicing over the fact that he has to stay in the minors for a week and a half. Um, but I, yeah, I think, I think, I think it could be. I mean, I think that, you know, the trade for LaCastro shows that they're at least starting to try something different. Um, and, and I think the problem is that there's too many guys that they consider immovable that really shouldn't be considered immovable. I mean, if you look at the lineup, you know, LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, Voight, they're all going to stay or Shell is going to stay. So you basically have the three other spots. You have Odor, or you have some other guys. You have Torres, who I I don't know. I mean, I think he should go down because I think he's so lost at the plate. But I don't think they, I, I don't know what their thought process is with him. I, I mean, I think Gardner's staying on the bench. I mean, I could I could you know I I could see Andujar potentially going down because he's actually hit better. It, it's Odor that's really the one who should be gone. And I think we've talked about this so much. The fact that. Odor is taking up a spot when we know what he is and he's not good from some of these other guys is inexcusable. But right now with Frazier on the IL, you have the flexibility to try out a park without doing more than sending Wandy Peralta down, which why not? Like, why are you not doing that? I think that, as you said, Brian Cashman needs to do something because this team isn't going to improve on its own. I don't think Hoy Park is the answer, but I think you have to start moving some stuff around. Like, I, I think given the way things are going, this team this offense might need a real shakeup, but that's not going to happen this summer. I think right now, you, you all you can do is hope that the guys at the top of the lineup are going to hit better and start tinkering around at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, who cares if Ambergy, you know, m might not be the game changer that his minor league numbers say, say he's going to be. I mean, someone like him or Park or Florial, just see what they can do, even if it's for a few games. Like, you're not at the point to pretend like you, you know, you can run out the same guys and you're okay 
just going with what's worked before. You're at the point where you need to start doing something right now. And I think the frustrating thing is that they're just running out the same guys and they're acting like they're a team, you know, sitting in a playoff position when they're really not. Like, this is obviously not something they're accustomed to in the last few years, but it's time for them to stop being complacent, especially Brian Cashman. Time to make a move. You know, he traded for LeCastro. It's time to make a move from your own farm system. Just get some of these guys in the lineup. Sometimes a struggling team just needs a new new injection of life, a spark to turn something around. Again, it doesn't have to be like the guy's going to go on a 2016 Gary Sanchez run. You just need something different. See what happens. The worst thing that can happen is that they're going to play like they are right now. Like, this is pretty bad. I don't think it's going to get worse than this. So that's, you know, that's what's that's what the situation is. I, I think some people aren't acknowledging that within the Yankees organization. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, that's 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 really been something we just keep coming back to is just try something. Like, <laughs> what do you have to lose? Just try to do something. Um, and I mean, I prefer Florial and Park over Ambergy for two reasons. First, they both have played center field. Now, Park has played like two games in center field professionally ever, but he's done it. Uh, and obviously, they both hit left-handed. Um, Park kind of has the super utility angle he can play. Um, and look... So I just checked and was reminded that Miguel Andujar has been optioned this year already, which means that Miguel Andujar, like his, his remaining option isn't going anywhere. As a result, how do you, how do you not option him? Like, look, He's been above average for most of the year. Fine. Um, he's been worse than Glaber Torres in aggregate, mostly because of like six bad games at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you can send a guy down who's been above average for most of the time, like Andujar. But if they're this committed to not optioning Clint Frazier, and it really feels like they are, like, just do something. I agree with you that it, it should be Odor, but he's there. I believe last week you called him the negative luxury tax value asset. And, yeah, we know they love that. But, my God, it's just the most... It's the most disappointing thing that they're they're acting like they don't need to do anything when it's so obvious to everyone that they need to do something but Whipple I propose that if you could just have a hitter or just have a starter I would take a starter right now what say you yeah I 100% agree I mean the, when I read those five names at the top of the lineup I think a lot of teams would like to start their lineup with those top guys and that didn't Absolutely. even include Gio Urshela he was batting seventh in that game the starting rotation is a mess right now, and a large part of that is, unfortunately, Garrett Cole has not been pitching well at all in the last few games, and, you know, call it sticky stuff, call it whatever. I, I believe Garrett Cole is a better pitcher than a pitcher who is just created by sticky stuff and is just going to be the worst pitcher at baseball. I think every pitcher has a rough stretch, and I think he's adjusting to pitching a new way, and I think this is all coinciding in a manner that makes it very suspicious that, uh, you know, other people are alleging that, you know, he's the creation of the sticky stuff. I just think he started off really well and he's coming back to earth a little bit. I think it has something to do with it. But like it or not, Garrett Cole has been a negative asset for the Yankees in the last two, his last two starts in the Red Sox and Mets games. I think he's going to be better, but he's not doing what they need to do right now. And he was a pretty big reason why they were in, you know, a tenuous position going into the seventh inning on Saturday in the or Sunday's game in the first place. Domingo Herman is just not pitched for any length whatsoever. Um, you know, Montgomery's been okay. And then you have the other two guys. And, you know, I, like I said before, like this rotation is not a playoff rotation. I think they're counting on Corey Kluber and Luis Severino. And it, it's really frustrating. I, a lot of frustration. But I've said this a few weeks ago. You know, we're so sick of the go to the deadline and get a starter back and be like, this was our deadline addition, a healthy starter uh, returning from injury. 
that's just one, it's our big risk. And two, it's just not, it's not adding anything besides what you already projected you would have. This team needs more than they projected that they would have because they're doing worse than they were projected to initially. So they need to recover that in some manner. They need to be adding multiple pieces, not just relying on some guys to come back in September and who knows how long they'll pitch for. Um, I, I would like to see some of the guys we talked about last week. I'd like to see a really big name added to the starting rotation, and I just don't have the confidence that's going to happen. Yeah, Whipple, I agree. Um, I completely agree. I think that uh, like the Yankees being 8-9 and nine in games that Garrett Cole starts, you just can't have that. And that's like the major sign of the way that they're underachieving. However, I do have some good news on the uh on the pitching front. The Yankees are tied for third in the majors, tied for second in the AL or tied for first in the AL in expected batting average allowed. They are seventh in the majors uh just two points behind the Rays um, and third in the AL in expected weighted on base allowed. They are eighth in expected slugging allowed. Um, Like this pitching staff is actually, and look, um, some of the discrepancies that we observe there are that they don't play great defense, but like the, the pitching was great and then it was terrible it should normalize and if it normalizes like from the perspective of its performance becoming steadier not necessarily better or worse than it's been in the aggregate to this point but just you know lower beta like the pitching could be pretty good like they rank very highly and all the other teams who are ranked highly in these pitching stats with the exception of the Marlins are really freaking good. So I think we may actually have some reasons to be optimistic about the future of the pitching staff. Um, With that, I have some reasons to be optimistic about the lineup, but are we allowed to talk about those? Well, before we go off the pitching staff, I actually have a big reason to be optimistic about the pitching staff. And I feel like in a podcast that, you know, we've been, kind of down on the Yankees for good reason. I don't think anyone's really up on the Yankees. I'm pretty up on one pitcher right now. His name is Nestor Cortez Jr. We need to talk about this man because he is capturing the hearts and minds of America with his amazingly off-balance, funky, uh, I, I don't even have words for it, his delivery. And he had actually a better start than Garrett Cole in the Sunday night, uh, the, the nightcap of the doubleheader. What are your Nestor Cortez thoughts? I know he's not going to be the starting savior. I, I mean, I think everybody loves him, but I think people are realistic. But he's been pretty good out of the bullpen too, and I think he's kind of s- surprised some people. I think his pitching uh, start on Saturday, Sunday was um, kind of the first time that people realized that he's actually having a pretty good year. I think that Nestor Cortez should be starting the All Star game, and that anything else is um, malpractice. Nestor Cortez absolutely slaps. And there's no way around it. The mustache slaps. The weird, like, freaky, um, you know, ways he changes up the arm angles or changes up his timing or changes up his leg kick or any of that, it's all awesome. And he's pitching to a 1.0 whip, a 1.29 ERA. He has 29 strikeouts in 21 innings. <laughs> um, like, he walks some guys, but I don't care. Nestor Cortez's ERA plus is 338. And, I mean... That Look, basically the only pitcher better than Nestor Cortez is Jacob deGrom. I, I love Nestor Cortez. And even if this team stays mediocre for the rest of the year, which, you know, I hope it doesn't, um, Nestor Cortez will be fun to watch every single time he's out there. Yeah, and I mean, with that mustache like that, he doesn't even need to be that good to be probably the most entertaining player on this team. So at least we have Nestor Cortez. If all else fails... That there's one reason for optimism, I think. Um, and I, I'm always going to be optimistic about Nestor. He's a great, great man. You want to talk about someone with great peripherals? Like, look, his expected ERA is a run higher than his actual ERA, but his 
expected batting average allowed is under 180. His expected slug is 270. His expected WOBA is 240. Like, he's overachieving, but only by a tiny bit. Like, Nestor Cortez has been absolutely ruining guys. And it's it's awesome. And it, like, all the peripherals suggest that it's sustainable. Yeah. No, I, I think his his underlying numbers are really good. And he's been, um, I mean, he's been quietly very effective for the team out of the bullpen. And I think they're, as I said before, we're going to need some guys to take the pressure off the guys who are pitching a lot of innings. And Nestor is putting himself in a spot to do that. So, uh, you know, one one positive thing from this week was the emergence of our boy, Nasty Nestor. Nasty Nestor. We love him. We always will. So I have a, I have a few things about the offense that I just want to talk about because we know that the Yankees have had serious offensive issues this year. They're 25th in runs scored, they're 18th in batting average, they're you know 14th in OPS. They're they're not putting up the numbers that we expected them to put up. However, I propose that we are going to see this team heat up for a few reasons. First, the Yankees lead the league in hard hit percentage. They lead the league the Yankees hit the ball hard more often than any other team in all of baseball. That is really, really good. Um, what you want is to hit the ball hard a lot. And look, do they hit too many ground balls still? Yes, but I like that they're hitting the ball hard all the time. And what that's translated into is while they're 18th in batting average, they're 8th in expected batting average. And while they are 15th in slugging, they're, sorry, 7th in expected slugging. And that's not to mention that they're 4th in the league in expected WOBA. Like, the Yankees' offense shows all the signs of an offense that should improve based on the expected numbers. Um, like, of teams that are underperforming their expected batting average, only the Indians and Cardinals are underperforming by more than the Yankees are. And of teams that are underperforming their expected slug, only the Cardinals are underperforming by more than the Yankees are. Um, on WOBA, it's the same deal. They're, only the Cardinals are underperforming by more. So it's the same picture as the same story that I was telling about Gary Sanchez earlier in the year. Basically that his expected stats were really good and we just needed basically his luck to turn. And apply that to the team broadly. Like, DJ LeMahieu is a perfect example of someone who's still underperforming his expected stats. Like, DJ LeMahieu, his batted ball profiles change and whatever, whatever, but he's been getting unlucky broadly. That's happening on a large scale to a lot of people on the team. And, like, th these guys, it used to be earlier in the year when, like, everyone was hitting ground balls and they weren't, um, you know, hitting home runs and like it seemed like they just couldn't produce runs. Um, it was like, well, we believe these guys are going to hit because of who they are. Well, now we can actually look at this team and say that on the whole, the team is getting unlucky. And the thing about luck is it doesn't tend to stay the same for an entire season. So I am going to go out on a limb here, and I don't think it's really even very much of a limb, and I'm going to say we can expect an offensive outburst that's pretty sustained from the Yankees over the rest of the season, and it will mirror what we saw with Gary Sanchez, where he just gets really hot and then settles into where he's supposed to be. 
And I think we can expect that from this team. And now look, not everyone on the team is underachieving. Like Glaber Torres is having a bad year because of the way his batted ball profile has changed. There's a great pitcher list article that just came out about that and a great Devin Fink article at Fangraphs about it. But on the whole, the team, part of the underperforming of this offense is that they're just getting unlucky. And I know that that's not like a satisfying thing to hear because like you want to have concrete reasons for this stuff. But if you want to be optimistic about the future of this team, the fact that I've been saying regression to the mean for months and months and now the stats back it up and suggest that regression to the mean is going to be so much fun for this team, just like I've been telling you, like, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree with you. I think my concerns honestly come more from the fact that I'm not even sure an offensive regression is going to fix all the issues on this team because of the pitching staff troubles that we talked about. Um, and, and I think that's been the frustrating thing this year. It's like when one problem seems to be turning another problem springs up it's like trying to plug all the holes in the sinking ship like after a while you can't you just can't do it but I mean I think there is a real you know like this isn't a bad lineup at this point because over the like the the overall numbers are not great but the last month has been a lot better than the first two months and I think you're right I think the next month will be even better still and I think there are you know for the top five or six guys in this lineup there's real avenues to success and that's all they need because, you know, most teams can survive with five or six really good guys in their lineup. They should be able to thrive with five or six really good guys in their lineup. And we've said this before, the next few weeks are going to be the real test for the Yankees because you have multiple games against Boston. You have games against Tampa. You got some games against the Astros. You have a games against Seattle this week that Seattle is ahead of them in the wild card race. I'm not sure how many people realize that, but this week is basically a chance to make up some ground in the wild card race against Seattle, who is two games ahead of them. So this isn't like beat up on the last place Mariners. Um, but having said that, I think that if they, the regression to the mean hits this month in a big way and this team can mitigate the pitching staff issues, they have a chance to get back into it, riding those regressions back to a, a, a solid record. You know, at this point, I don't think this is a 100-win team, but I think they can certainly play like one over the next few weeks and months. And I think that could be good enough. I mean... You know, one of the common stats I'm seeing is, you know, it's going to take X amount of wins to get to the postseason. The Yankees have to play at this pace, and they definitely can't do that. Well, nobody knows how many wins it's going to take to get to the postseason because it's all based on, you know, what teams are doing well, what teams aren't doing well, who's playing well against two. If you don't have a great record and, you know, you, you win high 80s, low 90s amounts of games, that could be good enough to get a second wild card if the other teams don't do well or if you go out and beat the teams that are cha you're chasing – if the Yankees have the chance to make that happen. Um, so I, I think that there are a lot of avenues to success. And based off the offensive regression stats, I, I think there's real tangible data, like you said, to see this lineup really start hitting. And I think we've kind of seen it. I mean, I, I don't think we're talking about the offensive struggles in the same way that we were a few weeks ago. I think it now it's really more of, as I said, a pitching staff issue and an overall team issue and that they're you know they're blowing all these games and um not you know they're, they're just generally look like they're they know they're going to blow the game before it actually happens that seems something that's more fixable than our whole lineup isn't hitting and we're winning games two to nothing i mean it's just kind of weird i think we're trying to find the balance between winning those two to nothing games and you know losing games or winning games that are slugfests there is a middle ground here and i think the yankees are very capable of finding it Having said that, I think they really need another pitcher. Yeah, look, I agree. Um, but just let's take, and I know, look, I know I know where you're going to take this. You're going to take this to the Yankees started an opener in an elimination game in the playoffs in 2019. So I'm not saying this to refute that they need another starter. I agree that they need another starter. But just to put in perspective how good a team can be with kind of mediocre pitching the Yankees are 11th in the league in ERA this year um and they are fifth in the American League in 2019 they were 14th in the league in ERA and they were sixth in the American League so the 2019 team was buoyed by its offense the stats suggest that this offense 
given you know a large enough sample size for luck to work itself out can buoy this team so yes of course they need another starter they need to have numerous guys who we'd be comfortable seeing start playoff games absolutely with that said they don't need to be a you know top five pitching team in the league to be successful as we may have thought earlier this year when the offensive issues looked more dire and I think that's a good place to leave that discussion because look do they need to add a pitcher obviously but can they be successful um even if that pitcher doesn't take them from 11th to the league, 11th in the league to fifth in the league in ERA. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're a hundred percent right. I, I do think that they're in a position right now where they need to, you know, the, in 2019, they were playing at a high, a high wind total pace all year. And I think that right now they need to almost play at that pace or better. And it needs to happen very quickly. And I think what you said shows that, you know, it's a very capable thing to do with the kind of pitching staff that they have. Um, but it needs to, you know, it needs to happen now. And this team, I don't think this team is used to that kind of urgency. Um, so I, I hope that it happens quickly. I think they would be, they would do well to bring in some reinforcements to help that happen quicker than just waiting around for the guys to get it done. But yeah, it's cap- they're very capable of winning a lot of games with an offense that's as good as we know it can be and a pitching staff that is as good as it is now. So I think I think you're 100 percent right. They and you know they need another starter. We both agree on that. But they there is a you know there is a really 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 fun team that is looking to emerge from the guys that are currently there. And uh, you know I hope it, I hope it can happen. Um, I, I think it's like the Chapman issues this week kind of obscure. You know we would be having a different conversation if Chapman pitched two scoreless innings this week. And that's just the facts. Like. It's unfortunate that it's like that, but For um, sure. you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like it was all one person's fault, but I just think it changes the tenor of what the conversation we're having. So that could be a reason for optimism. I mean, let's leave it at that. You know, the, a four and two week that turned into a two and four week, you know, if they figure out their bullpen issues, maybe they rack up some wins this week and you know, we go into the all star break with a better feeling. I sure would like that. And I think the all-star break is a good time to reevaluate how the season's going, look at what could be improved for the second half. I think if the Yankees can tear off some wins this week and get into that break with, you know, back into maybe, I mean, I don't know what the division race is going to look like. I think they have a chance to get back into it against the Red Sox. But right now I'm just concerned about clearing off some of these wild card teams and being, you know, only a few games back in that going into the break. And looking at the loss column in the wild card standings, as John Sterling says, the all-important loss column, the Yankees are not that far back. I mean, they're only four games out of the loss column in the second wild card, five games out of the loss column in the first wild card. I mean, that is not undoable at all. None of this is undoable, but four or five games, that you know, that's not, that's nothing. Yeah, and especially when you consider how many games they're still going to play against the Rays who are ahead of them in the wild card. Like they have to have what five, five more games against the Rays. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. So yeah, they, they, they have opportunities and they have a ton of games against the Red Sox and they have some games against the Blue Jays. Like, and they have some games against the Mariners. I mean, this is a big series this week. It's weird to say that, but it kind of is. It is, uh, and I don't, I don't like that. But um, look, and the Mariners are not going to make the playoffs, so we all know that's going to happen. Like, even if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, I would be content with the Mariners just tanking. It will give me one moment of happiness this year because the Mariners will not make the playoffs for now the next five years, probably the next 10 years. It's just the way things are. Okay, so I just learned that we are an anti-Mariners podcast. I was kind of fine with them until then. Sorry, Meg Rowley. We know you're listening. Um, so I'm sorry because uh, one one interjection. I, I It's really nothing against the current Mariners. I'm just still mad at Jack Sorensic over the Cliff Lee deal. I know you know that. I just want to tell everyone I'm sorry that the bad blood I'm harboring is still there, but I can't get over the fact that uh, Yankees should have Cliff Lee and won the World Series in 2010. God, the fact that we had this podcast and then you brought up Cliff Lee as if I needed you to rub salt in that wound. Look, uh, we end this podcast the same every week. 
we rank our confidence in this team. Um, I was pretty confident last week because of this regression to the mean stuff. Um, and in our document that we use to kind of like, you know, plan what we're going to say on the podcast, I said nothing is good and that I was going to downgrade to a six. But these offensive stats actually have me like kind of confident. And I think this team is about to go on like a really, really, really fun run. So let me let me let me go out of seven. Like they dug themselves a huge hole. They have a lot to prove. A lot needs to change. But like Aaron Judge is probably going to hit like 15 home runs in 20 games sometime soon and it's going to be sick yeah no and i think i did just see that change in real time in the document from six to seven so that was why i laughed i thought i, I like the positive optimism uh you know rever- reversion of your your former take in real time um i respect it uh we're all about confidence on this podcast um yeah i'm i'm gonna i think i was at a 6.5 last week i'm gonna say it at 6.5 i think what happened this week is honestly like I don't know. That doesn't make me any less confident in the team. It just makes me less confident in a role as Chapman. But I, I think at this point, you know, that's kind of where I'm going to stay unless they really start tanking. Um, but I think something to remember is that, you know, success is defined in a bunch of different ways. And if this team sneaks into the playoffs, you know, that's a really successful season based on what's going on right now. This is not going to be an 100 win team. But if it goes, if they go on a run and they, they can slide in through the wild card game, you know, given where we are right now, I would just like to say that, you know, that's, that's a successful season, in my opinion. Um, You know, it's all about getting to the playoffs and giving yourself the best chance to succeed. And I think that they they have a real chance of doing that, even if the win total might not be what we thought at the beginning of the year. I think there's plenty of opportunities for this Yankees team to, to make a real difference in the American League and, and knock one of these other teams out. The New York Yankees are my favorite baseball team. And I'm excited to watch them win a ton of games in the second half of the season. And I think that's the right place to end it. Whipple, it was a pleasure as always to our audience. You'll hear from us again next week. Please continue to check us out. Yankeesfiles.com, at Yankeesfiles on Twitter. We're always posting stuff, so read about it. Let's go Yankees.